Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll update you on the Argentinian president's visit with the Pope. Then, we'll talk about a supposed leak of part of the Amazon Synod document and why Jerry was skeptical of that document's credibility. Finally, we'll tell you about the Vatican sending more than 600,000 masks to China for the prevention of coronavirus, even as the Chinese government's relationship with the church is strained. I'm Colleen Daly. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from uh, sunny Rome, though we're expecting uh, the Arctic winds to arrive in the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) We're just getting a breath of uh, warm air here. Uh, Let's jump into our first story. The new president of Argentina, Alberto Fernandez, visited Pope Francis on Friday, January 31st. We talked about this a little bit on last week's show. Uh, They met for about 45 minutes. They exchanged gifts. But last week when we talked about this, you said that the big thing people would be waiting to hear about was whether the Pope might visit Argentina. And in your story on this meeting, you reported that they didn't actually end up talking about that. So I'm wondering, what did they talk about? Well, they've major topics the president said and the Vatican confirmed. The major topics were about the poverty in the country, the big, enormous debt that Argentina owes to the International Monetary Fund, but also to private investors, and uh, the hunger risks of families who are suffering hunger. And they also talked about polarization in the country. Because like you've got in the United States, where you've got a lot of polarization, also in Argentina, there's a lot of polarization. And this pits one part of the population against the other. Jerry, uh, can we talk about that that poverty that you mentioned in Argentina? For people who maybe aren't following, um, what's going on there? Well, first of all, uh, you remember when Cardinal Bergoglio was in Argentina, soon after he got his red hat in 2002, you had an economic default of the country. The country went into real economic crisis. And from his window in the square, he could see people battling the police outside the window. Now, the situation began to improve a a bit, but by the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018, the situation began to deteriorate again. And today, the uh, inflation is very high. People are really suffering economically. There have been cuts on everything and increased hikes on gas, electricity, etc. And 40% of the population are living at the poverty level. There has been widespread hunger. And the Argentine bishops met the new president before he took office on 10 of December of last year. And they said, we really have to do something. He also said we have to do something. He, he is very committed to this. And the first thing he, ca- he did when he came to Rome, before meeting the Pope, on the evening he arrived, he went and had talks with the World Food Program. The World Food Program is the United Nations arm for providing food assistance to people in dire situations like this. And after meeting the Pope, he went to the world, to the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations to also try and get their help and to build, rebuild the economy of the country. This country is a quarter of the size of the United States, Colleen. 
It's a very big country. It's 44 million people. But uh, there are a lot of people from neighboring Paraguay, from uh, Bolivia, working in the country. And the situation is really bad. I, I, I could give you an economic example that in January 2018, you exchanged one euro would get you 15 pesos. Today, one euro will get you 75 pesos. So it shows you the dramatic situation the country is in. So Jerry, when when President Fernandez met with the Pope, uh, Francis said that he would he would help them however he could. And I'm wondering what that might look like. It's not like the Vatican's going to you know bail out Argentina. So so what what could they do? Well, the Vatican isn't going to bail out Argentina, but it is going to use its good offices. For example, yesterday the president went to visit. Uh, on Sunday, he went to visit uh, Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of Germany. And then after that, he went to visit the President of France. And when he went to Chancellor Merkel, he told her, the Pope said, you're a very good friend of, of his. And uh, Merkel said, yes, but he's also a good friend. And, uh, you know, th th this good relation that's building up. And tomorrow, the at the Pontifical Academy of Sciences in the Vatican, not far from the, where the Pope is living, there will be a big meeting, one-day meeting, on new forms of solidarity. But in the background, everybody is expecting that talks and discussions between the Argentinian finance minister, the head of the Argentinian bank, the head of the IMF, the responsible for the Southern Cone, and this Nobel Prize winner for economics, they will be engaged in discussion. Everybody is, believes this is going to happen. And it's quite possible that the Pope will will address this meeting or at least meet the key actors. Got it. So we're, we're waiting to see what will come of this. I, I think it's a very important moment. Jerry, despite all the challenging topics that uh, the Argentinian president is facing right now, uh, Francis and he did leave their meeting on a lighthearted note. Um, in addition to the gifts that he often gives heads of state, uh, Francis gave President Fernandez a copy of Gaudete et Exultate, which was his 2018 document on the cult of holiness. The title translates to Rejoice and Be Glad. But um, Francis earmarked a certain page for the president and, and read to him from it. I was wondering if you could tell us about that. Yes, this was about good humor. But I, I should tell you something else, Colleen. Francis has known the president, Alberto Fernandez, from before he was pope. They met at the dentists. They both had the same dentist in, uh, in Buenos Aires, and that's where they first met. Really? Also, in 2018, Francis had a private meeting with him. He came to the Vatican. Nobody knew about it until more recently. He had a private meeting with the Pope. This was even before he was candidate for to be president. So, uh, there's a whole background to this. So, when the Pope gave this, uh, opened this uh, document, on Rejoice and Be Glad, and said, I've marked a special piece for you. And this was on St. Thomas's Moore's Prayer on Humor. And he read it out for him in Spanish, right there in the meeting. So you, you, you understood immediately that there's a, a chemistry, a dynamic working between the two men that's uh, really so positive. And afterwards, Colleen, the, the, the president gave a press conference in the embassy to Argentina. 
which is down the Via della Conciliazione, I think, which you know quite well. And there he said, the Pope loves the Argentinians. He's very concerned about the situation. I asked him to help us, and he promised he would help us in whatever way he could. And I, I think uh, good things will come of this. All right. Uh, Jerry, I wanted to ask you one last thing on this story, which is, you know, they had this this long meeting, they have this friendly relationship, um, but they didn't talk about a papal visit. And I, I, I don't know, do you think that's still on the table? Uh, what the president said afterwards, I, I didn't raise the issue with him because he knows he's always welcome. I'm, I'll welcome him at any time he wants to come, but I don't want to put him under pressure. And everybody who knows Pope Francis understands that the way to get Pope Francis to respond is not to put him under pressure. That is true. We've seen that many times. Um, Jerry, the Pope was supposed to or intended to visit Argentina uh, at one point earlier on. Can you can you explain what happened there? Originally, he was supposed to go to Chile, I think, was it 2017 or 2018? I can't remember exactly the date. And he was going to build in a visit to Argentina and Uruguay at that time. But the Chilean president said, we've got elections coming up, and so you, you need to change. And so he had to change the date. And consequently, it didn't work for Argentina at that time, because Argentina was also going through a series of elections. But it's clear, he has said he, he wants to go. But remember on the plane, I think it was coming back from Asia, or going to Asia, one journalist, an American journalist, said to the Pope, well, you're traveling all over the world, you've almost 50 countries now, and when are you going to go home? And the Pope raised his hand to the sky, pointing up to heaven and said, Ask the Eternal Father. <laughs> All right. Well, whenever it does happen, we will have that story here on Inside the Vatican. There are also uh, a lot more details that we didn't get into about this meeting. Uh, so I will link to Jerry's story about the Pope's meeting with President Fernandez in the show notes. For our second story, uh, we are expecting the Amazon Synod document from Pope Francis any day now, and this is eagerly awaited uh, in part because everyone has their eyes on this question of whether the Pope will ordain mature married permanent deacons to the priesthood in the Amazon region in order to help with their priest shortage in remote areas. Um, last week, an Italian historian and former radio journalist, Roberto De Mattei, a vocal critic of Pope Francis, wrote that he had received part of the forthcoming document and he said that it did allow for ordaining married men. Jerry, you were skeptical about this report from the beginning. Can you tell me why? When you read what he claims as, as a clear extract, you realize immediately this cannot be true. Because when the Pope writes a document, he doesn't say, we propose. He say, I decide, or this will happen. The we propose language comes from the document of recommendations that were given to the Pope by the Amazon bishops. Yes, it was quite clear. And secondly, the Pope is on record, public record, that I will never change the law of celibacy. I would prefer to die. I cannot stand before my God and change the law of celibacy. That's what he told us on the plane. Now, why people like De Mattei, who's a very intelligent man, chooses to selectively use information, this, this is, uh, is beyond my understanding. He has chosen 
to select piece of information and to ignore what the Pope is on public record as saying. Well, I feel like we should do some clarifying here, right? Like the Pope opening up the door to ordaining mature married permanent deacons, you know, that that isn't paving the way to overhaul the church's role for celibacy uh, for for priests, right? Well, the the question on having ordained married men in the Latin Rite Church, De Matteo should look at the history of Pope Benedict, who opened the door, and also under Pope John Paul II, opened the door to the acceptance in the Latin Rite of Anglican pastors who came over became Catholic priests, were married before they came over, and continued to serve the Church as Catholic priests of the Latin Rite while married men. Secondly, there was a case, I think it was in Czechoslovakia or Slovakia, in one of those two countries, where during the communist repression, they ordained married men to ensure the Church in that country, the Catholic community, would have the Eucharist and such like. After the collapse of communism, Benedict XVI recognized some of them. There was no big public uh, announcement, but he recognized some of these married priests to continue as Latin Rite priests. So, Francis has made clear, I am not going to change the law of celibacy. This is there for the Latin Rite. But he said there can be exceptions in extreme cases, but not a change of the law, exceptions to the law. Right. And Dimitri's article very much framed this as, you know, the opposite. He, he was saying that, you know, one, the Pope has opened up this door, and two, it's going to lead right, right to the German bishops meeting in which they're talking about celibacy right now, uh, leading to them, you know, being able to change the law, which is not how that process works either, as we've talked about on the show. Oh, uh, Roberto de Mattei knows well that uh, the he must well know the history. He studied it. Remember, two weeks ago, he was in Munich with uh, more than a hundred other critics of the Pope, including Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, the former uh, nuncio to the United States. And they were in a square in Munich near where... Cardinal Archbishop of Munich lives, Cardinal Marx, who's organizing this synod on the synodal path for Germany, for the church in Germany. And they were there because they said he's taking the church, the German church down the road to heresy, to schism. This thesis that the German church is going to go into schism and is going to ordain married uh, men as priests, irrespective of what the universal church does, is false. This is a, a mantra that some of the opposition to the synodal path in Germany are using constantly. I think it's sad to see this uh, very intelligent people spouting fake news. Jerry, you were uh, far from the only Vatican watcher to say this report was fake. Um, Roberto de Mattei did give a follow-up interview to the website LifeSite News, which is also, it's an American website that's been very critical of Francis. Um, in this interview, he said that his report was not fake news, but he did walk back his claims a little bit. He said that the fragments of the document that he got, you know, might not actually be part of Francis's final document and that they might have been circulated to gauge the bishop's reactions. I'm wondering what you make of that. Well, I hope when the document comes out that he will admit 
that this was not the document. Um, Jerry, one last question. We ask this, it seems like, every week, but uh, when are we expecting that document? I would say I've always thought by the middle of February we would have the document. The Vatican has made no public announcement yet, but the, let's say, the rumor mill, well-informed rumor, rumor mill rather than fake news, seem to be suggesting that that will be the time factor. All right. Uh, we will have a full report on what that document contains here on Inside the Vatican. And as soon as that document is published, uh, we'll also have analysis as soon as we can get it together. For our last story, the Vatican is sending 600,000 masks for the prevention of coronavirus to Wuhan province in China, which has been uh, struck with this epidemic. Jerry, where these masks came from and, and the way that they got to the airport was kind of interesting. Can you tell us about that? Well, the origin of the story is that the Pope on the 26th of January, at the Angelus on Sunday, uh, expressed his closeness to the people who are suffering from the virus in China and said he was close to them and he was praying for them, pray, praying for those who have died, praying for the families of the victims, and also for those who are trying to work to uh, find a solution. The following day, the papal almoner, this is the Polish cardinal who's become famous for many of his initiatives in helping dealing with poverty. Remember when the Pope appointed him, he wasn't yet cardinal, when he appointed him the job of papal almoner, he says, I want you to be creative, to go out on the street and do things. Yeah, we did an episode on him. I'll link to that in the show notes for our listeners. Yeah. And he said, use your imagination, use your creativity. He, he put no limits on him. And so, uh, last Monday, uh, the Monday 27, he talked with a Chinese priest. There are many Chinese priests in Rome. One of them, Father Han, is the vice-rector of the Pontifical Urbanianum College. This is where many of the priests are trained and the seminarians are trained who will go back to China and to other countries in Asia and other parts of the world. Uh, he talked to him. This priest happens to come from one of the areas which is hit by the virus. And uh, he said, we have to do something. So the obvious thing was masks, because this is what we see on the television. It's one way of protecting. You wash your hands, but also you wear masks. And so he said, let's get the Vatican Pharmacy into this. The Vatican Pharmacy really in Rome provides a lot of medicines that you can't get in other pharmacies, but it has a lot of network links throughout Italy. And so it started out requesting uh, masks. And the first day it got 100,000 masks collected. And these are from all over Italy, right? Yes, but I, I think there's also one Italian company which specializes in them. Uh, I think now there's six to 700,000 have, have gone, I think today and another batch have gone. So they gathered, they got these together. And since the transport system sometimes isn't up to scratch in, in the city, uh, the pharmacy used its own vehicles to take them to the airport. Father Han, the Chinese priest, was acting as chief organizer, and he was photographed pushing trolleys at the airport 
with big bags full of masks. And uh, the Chinese airline, the I think Southern China Airlines, China Southern, China Southern, they gave free transport, and they ensured that they were delivered to three of the to the epicenter and to other two other areas where they're badly hit. Yeah, Jerry, this is really interesting because there's kind of a strange relationship between the Communist Party and, and the Church in China right now. Th- there is a lot of uh, tension. Uh, Here, the Pope is sending gifts to China because he's looking beyond the Catholic Church. He's saying all the Chinese, they're all God's children. This is how the Pope sees it. And I see him when he goes to countries where there are very few Christians, very few believers. He always says this, first of all, we're children of the one God. And this is how he approaches it. Now, he does this to the Chinese at a time when the Chinese authorities, especially the, 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 the government, which is the Communist Party government, is cracking down, has cracked down. Today, a young person under the age of 18 cannot attend any religious linked service. So a young Catholic boy cannot go to church. He cannot be baptized in a ceremony. He cannot participate in in a, in a church organized, uh, say, excursions or pilgrimages or anything. And if he does, he gets penalized in his educational career. The family get penalized. And most recently, as news of this, the masks being sent broke. News also arrived from China that in some parts of China now. The priests are not allowed to participate in funeral services outside of the church. They can say the Mass in the church, the Requiem Mass, but they cannot go to the graveside and officiate at a ceremony at the grave. So now you have this uh, fact, the Pope showing great love and China cracking down. And, uh, and that crackdown, even the most recent one, you know, hasn't stopped them from sending additional shipments of of masks. Um, And it won't. It won't. Uh, The the Pope is showing the other cheek. All right, Jerry, I'm going to uh, link to that story in the show notes if our listeners want to read all the details about um, the shipments of coronavirus masks and how uh, the Vatican and the Church are responding uh, to this epidemic in China. And I think that does it for our show today, Jerry. Um, good talking to you. Is there anything that you have on the horizon for this week? Well, tomorrow's conference that we mentioned, obviously, we might speak if there's any result from that conference. Perhaps we won't see it immediately. It will see it some months down the road. And of course, we're looking on the horizon, this document from the uh, the exhortation on the Amazon Synod. And of course, right now, as we talk, Colleen, In Abu Dhabi, they're celebrating the first anniversary of the human fraternity document that the Pope signed in uh, Abu Dhabi with the Sheikh of Al-Azhar. Yeah, the follow-ups to that document have been really interesting. Um, I know that they're kind of, one of the ways that they're, they're implementing it is to start teaching kind of a human fraternity curriculum in some of the schools there, which is, which is really cool. Yes, the whole idea is we're one human family. We have to treat each other as brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters of the one God. This is the bottom line. All right, Jerry. Uh, I will chat with you next week. Thank you, Colleen. And good afternoon or good morning, whatever, to our <laughs> listeners. Look forward to chatting next week. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye.
Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Loeshirt Studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Our audio engineer is Isabel Senechal. Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next week.